0: All right, listen up. We are back. I am on location for another episode of the Prime 2 Rise podcast. I'm coming to you from my hotel room, my crummy hotel in New York City. I am up here uh, for several reasons, several clients that I need to see, um, several projects that I need to walk. And uh, it was a last minute trip. So because of the week that it is and what we're commemorating with the uh, anniversary of 9-11, I think it's a little busy up here. So uh, hotels are sold out. And they're seriously, seriously expensive. So I found that out the hard way. But we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to whine. We are here to prime, to rise. We are here to prime you, which means to inject, to fuel you, to rise in your career. I have a an amazing guest today, somebody whose content I follow. As a guy who is not a finished carpenter, I have no patience. I do not have the dexterity, <laughs> um, nor do I have uh, the finesse to do it uh mr tommy Mullaney does uh go follow him on instagram black label carpentry uh, it's truly incredible stuff um i catch myself watching it all the time just for ideas to do on my house uh, but what i really want to walk through with tommy um tommy's a special individual tommy has had a, a interesting life um, he's had some obstacles he has some uh personal things that he has going on that not everybody goes through but many people do and uh, and none of that has stopped him from taking advantage of finding a niche and finding a very lucrative career in construction that has allowed him to start his own business, you know, become his own entrepreneur and take that career to a different state of his choosing. And he could have taken that everywhere, anywhere because of the skill set that he has. So Black Label Carpentry, owner and operator, Tommy Mulaney. Tommy, How are you and- doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a long time coming. So Tommy and I have been talking on uh, Instagram back and forth and sharing our thoughts on a lot of things about the industry, the goods, the bads, the uglies. Uh, oh, yeah. But I want to start, I want to start with your early life, just like I do with, you know, any guests that we have come on, I want to understand where you came from and maybe some of the obstacles that were hard for you growing up. So where'd you grow up from like zero to 14, like pre high school? yeah uh, what was life like for you um
1: so i was born and raised in england um until i was seven and then at the age of seven uh, my parents decided that we were gonna pack up our entire home sell it and head over to the usa and we landed in naples florida so southwest florida beautiful place and uh yeah i lived there from seven to about 25 26 years old and, um, yeah, I grew up there, went to school there, elementary, middle and high school.
0: Um, so really, that's like my home. And um, now yeah. when you say Naples, I think a lot of people here in Naples, Florida, and they think um, a lot of wealth. Right? Yeah. Is that um, the situation you grew up in? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I wasn't necessarily one of those people that, you know, had all the millions, um, as nice as that, that may be. Um, but it did uh, put me in that audience, which eventually turned into uh, where my career went. It's, it's dealing with those people and um, getting into finished carpentry. But I think the whole business is in Florida, you know, it is a very, very wealthy area. It's its own little bubble. Uh, I did take it for granted for sure. And I didn't realize that till I like left. Um, but it broke a lot of great opportunities, especially for business.
0: Um, but yeah, great area to, to grow up in. It's definitely different. And how did that, um, so when you were younger, right, and you were going into high school, what was that like for you? I mean, were you, because um, you had some struggles at home, right? Yeah. Like yeah. things were, um, the relationship with your parents was a little bit strained. And I I don't know, I think you had a tough time in high school with like teachers and things like that. Is that is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, You know, it was a a bit of a rocky road. Um, My parents, when we came over here, they bought a business and um, ran a business together. And it was somewhat harmonious, um, but actually ended up when I was 12, they ended up splitting up and having a divorce, which um, wreaked a lot of havoc on me and, and them, of course, being in that situation. Um it, it was it was quite rough. Um gosh, I remember when I was was twelve, my, my parents got divorced, my hair started to fall out, stuff like that that I didn't really think about when I was a kid. I just, you know, I'd put my fingers through my hair and, and think, oh okay, this is kind of strange. Like, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And and all these years later I, I look back at some of these things and I think, Oh my goodness, like it was a rough situation.
0: Um Yeah, my parents got divorced and my hair did not fall up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it was rough, um, you know, and I I flip flop between my parents. I think that's what happens with a lot of kids when when parents get divorced is I feel like sometimes that they feel like they have to pick a side, um, you know, because the parents are trying to play favorites, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, I'll get you this or I'll buy you that. So, you know, you flip flop back and forth. And gosh, I lived with my mom from 12 to 14. And then I moved in with my dad. Um, you know, my dad is a fantastic guy and, and gave me my work ethics today. I, I can't fault him for that, but unfortunately, he had quite a, a substance issue with alcohol. Um, you know, he he raced motorcycles his whole life, had a career out of it, and I think when he retired, he you know, he was an adrenaline junkie, kind of how I am. Um, but I think I have better control over my life and. He turned to drinking, and um, yeah, that that took a major toll on my mental health, and and then I ended up, you know, going from my mom to my dad, and then back to my mom's house, so it's kind of like out of the frying pan into the fire, and gosh, I lived with my mom for many years, and then, you know, something just never added up in my brain. I always knew something was just off. I just didn't know what it was, and it wasn't until I met my current now wife, Alexa, and
0: she your wife's name is Alexa?
1: Yeah. So she brought My wife's name is Alexa. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you know the same Alexa jokes as I do.
0: Oh, um, God, yeah. You don't say Alexa jokes to my wife. It is not no, funny. No, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, gosh,
0: it, she brought so much attention to me
1: and was thinking, you know, like, this relationship that you have with your mother is not a healthy one either. And I just didn't know what it was. What, way?
0: what, what way was that not healthy?
1: Um, so, you know, my mother playing simple as a narcissist, you know, whether she's going to get a doctor's, you know, um, word for it that she is or not, there's, was all these traits that they would do kind of like gaslighting you, um, and kind of using you in love bombing, you know, they would love bomb you and then just totally bring you down and make you feel like crap. And then they would love bomb you and then bring you back up. And it was like an emotional roller coaster. And I didn't know I was riding that roller coaster. You know, I knew something wasn't right. I just didn't know what it was.
0: And I'm smiling uh, smiling because I went through the same thing with mine. So, gosh, it was exhausting.
1: You know, I I I eventually, you know, I always tried to do the right thing. Um, at the age of I think 23, 24, it's kind of when I just started my business. I ended up signing onto a mortgage with my mother and and you know her. Partner, which you know, you could call my stepdad, but you know, I, I signed on to a mortgage with them to try and help them out because I had such good credit and you know, really built a good foundation. Um, because I wanted to do the right thing, and you know, just you know, you always want to help your parents. And in the end, I felt like I got used, and gosh, without going into too much detail, um, they ended up they stopped paying the mortgage on the place, um, it all got resolved, and I'm,
0: I'm out of it, I'm scot free, but boy, what an eye opener that was. I mean, just yeah, I, I, so I can sympathize with that. Like I was in the same place. And I think for a lot of young people, they have narcissistic parents, specifically mothers. Um, yeah. if, you, if you Google the definition, narcissistic mother will come up. I don't think anything for a father comes up. Right. Um, because of that, I think it's the ability to love bomb, like you just said. And Absolutely. unfortunately, um, you know, most people don't realize that if they ever realize it until at least their late 20s. It's not something that I yeah. fully acknowledged and came to terms with until I was almost 30. Yeah, um, yeah. And yes. And you realize that it's not our job to raise our parents. Right? No. Our parents are there to raise us. And unfortunately not all parents show up the same way. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, oh, however, yeah. I mean, it sounds like, so both of your parents had some issues. Um, but it sounds like you got some positive things. I don't know if you got anything positive from me, mother, but the work ethic, I think is very important because I don't think enough people talk about, uh, work ethic, especially when it comes from their father. Can you talk about what that work ethic means for you? Like what that looked like in your life, in your career?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, it was one of those things I've worked with my dad since I was about 11, 12 years
1: old. I always liked getting my hands on. My dad was a roofer contractor in London, very successful. You know, and then he moved to the USA with us and bought an AC, an electrical company. And um, again, very successful. Um, You know, he's not the brightest when it comes to, you know, being book smart. And neither am I, you know. And I was always taught to kind of look down upon people like that. It's like, you don't want to be like that guy, you know. He's not going to be successful. He, He doesn't know how to spell properly. But he was very successful, very hard driven, very honest. And gosh, time and time again, you know, we would go to people's houses where we could, we could have easily sold an AC unit brand new. And he would say, you know what, you can get another six months out of this. I'll nurse you along until your finances are right. You know, he's just an honest businessman. And, um, you know, I I guess in some sense it, it may have hurt him, you know, and the fact that he wasn't making as many sales as he could, but you know, that was short term long-term is building relationships and that's something that i tend to do a lot in construction industry it's it's very cut through i i feel with builders nowadays and everybody wants instant gratification they want everything now and nobody thinks you know 10 15 20 years down the road they're thinking six months at the very best so um you know i'm very grateful for that and at the same time you know despite the negative experiences that i had with his drinking it it really turned me off for drinking you know i did it a lot when i was younger and and i essentially abused alcohol from you know 16 to 21 and i think i got it out of my system i saw what effects it could have on relationships your life your health especially and so i just ended up you know i'm not quit drinking completely once in a blue moon i'll have a glass of wine socially but i just don't find the need for it so you know the silver lining in that situation is I think has enabled me to take really good care of my health. And um I, I think another thing is that I probably look a lot younger than what I am. I'm 28 years old and I get people on jobs. So I say, Oh, you know, this kid's 19, 20, 21. I'm like a, you know, I don't mind it. And I'm like, good, because you know, when I'm like fifty, maybe look forty. It just it's I
0: like to try to take care of myself, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good thing. So I think, you know, especially with the drinking a lot of people at a young age, like we all drink, you know, and I I have had my troubles, not necessarily with drinking, but, um, you know, mentally dealing with things from my parents or my family or my friends Mm -hmm. or things that I experienced when I was younger. And I really couldn't address Mm -hmm. those things until I cut it back. Like you you don't realize when you grow up and your parents do that all of the time, you think that that's part of life. You think that social situations revolve around drinking, vacations revolve around drinking weekends revolve around drinking, watching oh. football, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it really takes away from your ability to be productive, to address your purpose, to it does. Um, really be successful in anything, right? You kind of lose, you lose focus and yeah. you lose, um, you lose productivity in doing things that are actually good for you o- outside of like what goes into your body, but the physical yeah. act of your day. Right. Agreed. So, yeah. Now, I think it's a good point, right? That we all have parents, the overwhelming majority of our parents, like 99% of parents want good things for us. Yeah. Uh, but they have a funny way of showing it. And yeah, yeah not absolutely. everything that our parents do, um, we can learn good things from them, but we can also learn what not to do, right? So yeah. it's not to say don't get away from your parents, but it's to say you may have a narcissistic mother and you need to be aware of that because that could be negative for you. You also Absolutely. may have an alcoholic father and that may be yeah. negative. Boundaries. Boundaries is a
1: huge thing. I mean, gosh, in, in any relationship that you have, friends, family, whoever, colleagues at work, boundaries are so important and they can be really difficult to set sometimes. Might feel awkward. I think once you get over that, it feels good. Um, but you do have to keep reinforcing these boundaries depending on who you're dealing with, you know. Um and, and I think as I get older it's realizing that you, you know, my, my parents are humans too and I don't, there's no manual on how to raise a child. Um, So as you get older, you know, you you start to figure these things out. But I think at the same time, it's realizing that, you know, to have me present in your life is a privilege, not a right. You know, I'm your mother. I'm, you know, I have to be in your life. And it's like, well, if you're going to treat me certain ways that I don't like, and you're not going to have any respect for my feelings or my boundaries or any of those, then no, I, I don't have to have you in my life necessarily. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that your time and your energy is so precious. You have to really guard it. You know, energy, you can, you can get it back, but it's exhausting. Time, you'll never get it back. So make sure that, you know, you, you try your best to be as efficient and use that time as good as you can. So I try to keep good people in my life and I found that as I get older, that group of people gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But I'm OK with that. It's quality over quantity for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that was dead on. I mean, you just said something that took me a very long time to understand. And I know so many young people that are going through it. I'm a youth football coach. I know some players that I have um, on my football teams in the last few years that are struggling with the same thing. And they're not even 10 years old. Yeah, so They have a long way to go and they don't yeah. realize, they don't realize the obstacle that's in front of them. So I hope somebody hears what you just said, because it's very important. Um, it's important to understand uh, that perspective and to know that, you know, it's not up to us to close the door either, but it's up to them to walk through it and to show that their intentions are the right. Especially when you have a wife and maybe kids, you know, because oh. it's not just about yeah. you at that point. It's about, Everything, their entire environment around them, especially as a man, you're responsible for that. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it can be a really tricky little scenario to play, and you don't always know what the right choice is. And I don't know if there really is a right choice. You just kind of have to decide upon your situation and the variables, you know, if you have kids, you know, stuff like that, and grandparents, and all those things. So, you know, I think it's gonna, every individual is gonna be a little bit different. You know, and the the same thing with these kids that are just now coming into it. You know, you're going to see dads out there that are coaches, and they're so harsh on the kids. And gosh, you, you can literally make or break somebody based on that. And the negativity, like my dad, it was never, ever good enough. No matter what I did, it was never good enough. And so, you know, to this day, I think that's why I'm such a perfectionist, because I always feel like it's never good enough. Um, you know, the silver lining in that situation is that I feel like the quality of my work is outstanding, but it comes at a price. And sometimes it it comes at a price of others. It might come at a price of, you know, uh, my wife and our relationship, because I'm so deep into trying to perfect something that I can never switch off. So it's a very fine balance. And I do my utmost best to use those situations for the better but that's not to say that I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. I do screw up. I do mess up, but I address it. And I think mm-hmm. as long as you recognize that you've, you know, maybe messed up or, you know, you have a little bit of credit over here and, you know, you kind of have to shift your um, perspective and, and your time, um, you know, based on a situation, if that makes
0: sense. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, now, when you were growing up, am I wrong? Did you have an issue in school, and not really feeling like you had a direction or a path? Yeah. Right? Can you yeah. can you talk about that? Ultimately, you wound you wound up in carpentry, and you're making way more money than most college graduates make. Uh, yeah. Not, not necessarily a knock on college, but can you talk no. about your struggle and how you felt at the time when you were in school? And yeah, whatever?
1: yeah, you know, elementary. School, I think you're young, you don't even know what stress is really. Um, you know, silly stuff like is somebody gonna play with me on the playground? Um, so you know, you go through elementary, I'm in middle school, um, and, and I did okay, you know, I, I made it through to get to high school. Um, I always did really well, I, I played uh, the trombone and the brass band, so I, I picked that up real quick. Um, you know, ended up getting really good at that. And then got into freshman year of high school, and it all started to fall apart at the seams from there. Um, Ninth ninth grade into 10th grade, I did okay, uh, but I never really applied myself. And, you know, through high school, I was always used as an example of what not to be and what not to do. And I was always told by you know my school guidance counselors that I would never make it, don't bother, or all these just really horrible things that I didn't think that a school guidance counselor would be telling me, and even teachers using me as, a, as an example in front of the whole class of, you know, don't be like this guy here that's a failure. Um, you know, he's not going to go anywhere, and, and you're going to be a bum on the streets, and um, you know, the money has never really meant anything to me, but yeah, I mean I'm making six figures uh, you know, in six months, which which to me is just astonishing considering that, you know, I always thought I was gonna be a failure according to my teachers standards. Um but in my head, I just knew that I was meant for more. I I dropped out of high school in tenth grade and, and really just put my head down, started working with my hands. 17 i was working with grown men on a construction site uh for a general contractor at the age of 19 um i i went straight into finished carpentry and gosh it it just all unfolded from there you know i I never looked back
0: okay so let me get this straight so you were in school Mm -hmm. and then you dropped out in 10th grade and you didn't go back nope that was it never looked back i had no interest now What made you drop out? You just like weren't having it anymore. You were just like screw school. I'm all set with high school. This is bogus.
1: Yeah. I mean, to to put it in a nutshell, the high school that I was supposed to go to with all the kids that I grew up with in elementary and middle school, I was out of the zone. So I was in a new high school. I knew about two or three people in this new high school. So I didn't know anybody. Um, And it was rough as can be, you know, like a lot lot of gang stuff, a lot of fighting. It It was pretty rough um so it probably wasn't like the best foundation to be in I felt like the teachers were similar and you know like people go to high school and they have all this high school pride and you know they're wearing all the colors I couldn't stand the place I literally couldn't stand it and I felt like I was going to jail every day and I would count down the hours until I got to leave and eventually you know, I started skipping school and, you know, running out the back fence and hitching rides home from friends just to get out of school. Cause I thought this is pointless. Like, you know, it's not pointless for everybody. There's people that need it, but I thought to myself, you know, I, I know my math basics. I know my history basics, you know, I have the education. It is important. But it got to a point where I just thought this is, this is just stupid. This is a waste of my time. And I thought I could be going making money right now instead of sitting here staring at a clock for eight hours learning stuff
0: that I'm never, ever going to use in my everyday life. And even well, as- and if no. there was, a you know, a lot of gang violence and activity or whatever and stuff like that, I'm guessing that the edu- level of education probably wasn't the best.
1: No, but no. You... I,
0: I um want to be careful with the message here because I don't think that we're advocating to drop out of school. No, absolutely um, not. No, no. However, I do think that you immediately sought a different education in your career, and I want to get to that. Yeah. Before I get into your career. um, At what point did you become aware that you were on the spectrum, as they say? Um, You know, I never was. There was always my brains always
1: worked differently to everybody else's. And I just thought that maybe I was just weird. Um, maybe I was stupid. Hey, I didn't make it through high school. You know, maybe, maybe I just, I, I'm not as smart as all the other kids. I couldn't even obtain a 2.0 GPA. I could not do it. I think 1.3 was like my best GPA, which is terrible um, according to the standards. But my brain always worked differently and I was always dissecting things, um, reading people's body language. And that also came from living with a narcissistic parent is learning body language because you need to know, am I in fight or in flight mode? can constantly have to read people's emotions to know where you stand in the room and what to prepare yourself for. Cause you have no idea what's going to happen. So I could, you know, I ended up reading people like a book. It's weird just based on the way they look, the way they talk, all these different things. And I thought, okay, so is this like some kind of superpower? It was just weird. It was so detailed. Um, gosh. And then, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've had such many sensory issues my parents always brushed it off. They were just like, oh, you know, there's just something wrong with him. But, you know, it's just being a kid, you know, um, could be tags in the shirt, stitching, the tightness of my shoes, like so many things. It would really hinder my day-to-day life and my mood, especially, you know, I'd have these mood swings because I just, the day wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And it just didn't feel right. You know, all these things were just strange to me, but I, I think I was just so young that I didn't think nothing of it. You, you do as a kid, you're just out there enjoying life. And, you know,
0: well, 14, it's life. You don't know anything different. So it's no, you don't.
1: No. And I think even like from 16 to, you know, 18, 19, 20, you're still young. You're still figuring out your identity. You're now just starting out in the world. You're working with adults. So I don't really think I ever had the time to sit down, especially like living with my mother as well. It's just, I never had time to think for myself. I, you know, I had to think for her and and make sure that she was happy all the time. And it wasn't, you know, until I eventually moved from Naples to central Florida and, and finally got away that I actually had time to kind of relax. And gosh, I mean, I developed all kinds of things. You know, I was so anxious and I still do to this day. I'm still learning a lot of things and kind of unloading all this baggage. Like I finally have time to live and I'm discovering myself because my whole life I've lived with a, a, a wall up uh, because I'm in constant fear of what's going to go on next. So I don't have time to think of myself. I'm in fight mode, 24/7. Now that I've got to move out and unwind and be myself, things started to develop. I started to think, okay, this isn't right. I, I should probably start looking into these things. And um, you know, it probably wasn't until like at least maybe six months at best i thought to myself i'm like okay let's start reading things like on the spectrum you know a lot of people you hear the word autism and they just think okay someone that's you know uh maybe a genius or just
0: maybe just not smart at all. So that was, was going to be my that was going to be my question was you know when i think aut, when i think the spectrum I, a lot of people would say autism right right so is that the definition of the spectrum like what when you're when you're researching it and you're uh, taking a step outside of yourself and you're looking in the mirror and you're kind of doing that self-analysis is that the conclusion that you came to yeah i mean i'm not a doctor so you know i can't see anything official
1: but after reading all these books about uncovering it and what they call unmasking uh like autism and stuff like that is you know, and realizing that if you're on the spectrum, it, it can be low or be severely high. Obviously, I'm not severely high. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. And, and what I've learned that I do, because I always wondered how I can adapt and blend in with my surroundings so well, is they call it masking. You know, and it's obviously, you, know, you put you put the mask on, you kind of adapt and try to fit in with everybody. Because I, I want to make sure that everybody likes me. I'm a people pleaser. Again, another... Um, thing that I dealt with with narcissism I ended up being a, a people pleaser which I'm you know growing out of now um, you know and then I get home and I can be myself and you know everybody's going to be different around their partner than they are to their co-workers um, because it's a different environment you get home you can relax but uh, you know as time's gone on I've just started caring less about people's opinions and I, and I don't mean that in a mean way you know it's just like I wouldn't be where I am today in my life, in life and business and relationships, if I cared about what anybody else
0: thought about me. You know? Um, so I have a couple of questions there. So, with this realization, right? I think with any kind of self improvement or self analysis, um, it's important to note for people, it was for me that there's no finish line right? It's a muscle that you have to maintain, get to develop and then maintain. And if you lose sight of it, or you stop addressing it, stop practicing it, um, you're going to lose the ability to deal with some of these things, whether it be, you know, some of the tendencies or things that bother you, or it be a mental struggle that you have, or any kind of inefficiency that you have in your life, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who's young, Um, maybe they're in high school, maybe they're even younger. They're suspicious that they have these kinds of things and, or maybe they, they know that they have, um, that they're likely on the spectrum and they worry about how that's going to affect their life. They worry about their ability to make relationships. They worry about their ability to chase a, uh, lucrative, uh, fulfilling career. What would you say to those people?
1: You know, two words, embrace yourself literally I mean you know I was so scared of what people would think of me on the job site and I would come home and I would talk to my wife and be like I wonder if they notice that I'm a little different and she's like yeah I'm sure they do and what does it matter you know it it, I, I try to use or see the silver lining in the situation it's like I have this hyper hyper laser focus when it comes to doing something, whether it's carpentry or, you know, I just recently picked up cabinet finishing, you know, I, I almost feel like I have a superpower because I have been gifted with the ability to literally do anything I put my mind to. If I want to do it, I will succeed no matter what. Like it's, it, it has instilled this confidence in me that I never, ever, ever had. I always had such lack of confidence. Nobody would like me. I was never going to be successful. Now I'm the total opposite, which is why I moved halfway across the country and I said game on and I started all over again because I'm so confident. So if you think that you're on the spectrum, you know, research it, read these books, because it's going to open up your eyes to so many things and it's going to answer so many questions. You know, why do I act this way? Why do I speak this way? Why do I think this way? There's, There's nothing wrong with you at all reading these books and, and learning to embrace it, it's kind of a, it's a weird, but magical thing once you really dive into it. And, you know, I don't think I'll ever stop growing. I don't think I'll ever stop discovering. Um, but you know, I, I, I like I said earlier, I just, I, I really have stopped worrying about what people think of me and for me, I let my work, do the talking for me, you know, especially being young. And I just feel kind of socially awkward at times, you know, and a lot of people may not even notice it. I'm, I'm probably overthinking it. Like I do most things, you know, that's like, right. again, another thing I overthink things to the 10th degree. Um, Cause I like to be thorough. But- so
0: what, what I, what I heard you say was obviously don't let your anxiety about yourself and the way other people perceive you, uh, keep you inside and keep you from chasing something. You had a purpose, you chased it. Not only that, but your condition, we'll, we'll just call it a condition, right? Yeah. You you played that into your strength as a carpenter, right? Yeah. So you're hypersensitive to details, probably the way things feel. You know,
1: I'm not a detail
0: guy. Like I, I could never do that. Like I said, I could never do what you do. Um, but I find it interesting that you play that you... Took that, what a lot of people would see as an obstacle or an inability or a disability, and you play that to your advantage to create a career. Which, by the way, people are paying a lot of money for this, yeah, Yeah. right. So, talk about talk about so you're in 10th grade, Mm -hmm. you drop out, yeah, you start chasing this career. Like, where'd you go? What I'm trying, what I want to get out, out of you here is. Not telling kids to drop, drop out of school in the 10th grade, but for young people that are in high school, maybe on a summer vacation or yeah. or maybe, you know, they're 18 years old. They don't want to go to college or maybe they're on summer vacation at college. Yeah. How do you get that first job? Like, where do you where do you start? So, you know, for me,
1: um, I started looking around and I found a guy who's another British guy, obviously much older than me. And he owned a construction company. And I said, hey, I need a job, you know, especially being from England. I didn't have like all the credentials that I needed because I was on a visa. I said, hey, I need work. I'm young. I, I want to buy my first car. Like, come on, let's go. I was hungry. And he says, okay, here's a pressure washer, you know, clean my line iron. That was in, in my resume. And all he wanted to see was, A, did I show up on time? And, and obviously, you know, sh- actually show up, which a lot of people can't seem to do these days, crazy enough. Um, yeah. You know, so so show up, show up on time and, you know, you didn't have to work crazy hard and kill yourself. You just, you know, had to pace yourself and get the job done and, and try your best. You know, it, it, you may not have met their standards, but if you gave it your best and you gave your 100, it's all they wanted to see. And next thing I know, I was in uh, with him doing uh, pavers, stucco, drywall, trim carpentry, I mean
0: everything to build a home. I got to do every trade and experience everything you Now he was a professional in all the all of those things. like he so he basically became a mentor for you. like you were almost his apprentice. yeah that, right? like that became your education. yeah, it's a some degree. I mean, what it let me do is is realize, you know,
1: for me, I didn't really like the drywall, all the pavers, like all the outside work, the dirty work. I was like, ah, it's not really for me. Yeah, not happening. for me either. <laughs> A lot of sensory issues and just getting caked and stuff. I mean, I, I wanted to crawl out of my own skin. I couldn't do it. Um, You know, and then it got to the point where I was working outside in Florida. I don't do well with the heat. And I was like, I need an inside job. And I was like, well, you know, there was trim carpentry. That's in the AC. And, you know, next thing you know, there was another guy in town and he says, Hey, do you have a driver's license? Yeah. Can you show up? Same thing again. That's all they required. No experience. They just want to know if you can show up. And so I started working inside and, you know, I didn't fall in love with it right away. It probably took about six months to kind of get a real good feel for it. And, you know, to, to make a long story short, I was with him at 19 years old. By the time I was 21, I ended up finally buying my first miter saw. I was at home building, you know, furniture out of two by fours and just crappy Home Depot stuff, but hey, who cares? It's, it's what I knew, and I was building. I was happy. Um, and it, it kind of just grew from there, and I realized that I had loved the gratification of being able to build something, especially with great detail, and I was inside in the air conditioning. Um, that, to me, I absolutely loved, and you know, eventually I got to the point where I, I outgrew the company, um, You know, and I was very fortunate and thankful for the opportunity that I did get that he wanted to take me in. And then at the age of 23, I decided to start my own company, even though I was advised, you know, by somebody like my mother, don't do it, you're going to fail. Um, again, that's a whole other narcissism thing, but don't do it, you're going to fail, all these things. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't an overnight success story. I was valeting cars of a nighttime to keep additional income because sometimes the work was so slow. I didn't have any clientele. I, I just put my head down. I did my day work. I did my valet overnight. I was earning cash money. And eventually I got to the point where I told the valet guy again, thank you for the opportunity. Couldn't have made it without you, but my business is strong
0: now. I need to focus full-time on the business. And, and the How are you, how Tommy, how were you finding work at that time? You're 23 years old. You have an education now because you, from 10th grade to 23 is what, like eight years. So yeah, no. you've had plenty of time in the field under somebody else's wing. I would call that an education, real world education, yeah. Yeah, right? Absolutely. But you were struggling. So you made the jump, you were struggling to solicit work. How were you trying to find clients and how did, what, what happened? Was it just word of mouth that your phone kept ringing? Just, it was a snowball effect. More and more people found out about you. How did, how did you go from finding a little bit of work to all of a sudden being super busy? Yeah. So eventually it did snowball, but
1: to start out, it was super slow. Um, I just started cold calling people. And again, I, 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 I hated calling people. It was like a huge fear of mine just to talk on the phone. I'm a text only person because I just, it was easier to kind of put that wall there and not have social interaction. Um, but eventually, you know, I made a couple calls. There was a little stuff not a huge amount, but it was enough to kind of help a little bit, maybe 25% of the business. Then I went on to Facebook Marketplace. I just started advertising my furniture that I created in my own time. And then people would say, oh, hey, that's a really nice piece. Um, You know, that's nice, but I'm looking for something like this. Do you make furniture? Um, And then before you know it, when we moved into our house, I had to get my trees cut down. And so I saw an opportunity to leave a business card with the guy that was cutting my trees down because he did live edge slab stuff. He didn't do the finishing. He just did the slab. I was like, great. I'll sell, I'll help you sell the slabs, but I'm going to finish them. And we'll kind of have a little bit of a harmonious relationship. Um, You know, again, make a long story short, that ended up not being so pretty. I learned that people in business can be really nasty it was a good life lesson. Um, But again, I still took that part of the business. I, I just see all these opportunities and I think a lot of people don't follow through. So if you see these opportunities just take it, you know, um, because you're going to regret not doing it. So, so take it while it's there, whatever you do. And if you fail, that is okay because it's, it's a life lesson, a business lesson. It's so valuable. And you know, I, I I don't really like failure. Nobody does. Um, but there comes to a point where you do start to love it a little bit. And when you do get out of that little rut of failure, you look back and you're like, well, wow, I'm really glad that that happened, as rough as it was in the time. Um, so, yeah, the, the business started to kind of grow from there. And, you know, my my business was growing. And then I had to get out of, you know, the, the narcissistic abuse where I was in Naples. And I said, just, I don't care where it is. Just let's get out of here. But I couldn't necessarily afford Naples prices, or at least I didn't think I could at the time because I was told, You'll never be able to afford your own apartment. You'll never be able to afford this. There's so many bills. You you know, you're going to have to have two roommates, all of this stuff by my mother. So I moved to central Florida. Uh, and again, to make another long story short, you know, I started out with yeah a decent wage of like 45 an hour because that was what everybody said was the highest wage in that area.
0: A decent, a decent wage at 45 an
1: hour. Yeah. And, and for central Florida, they said that that was the highest. Well, I was there for three months and I doubled it straight off the bat, 90 bucks an hour. And and I 90, didn't have
0: 90 bucks an hour for a kid who dropped out of high school at 10 years old. And it didn't uh, end there. Uh, 10 years, old, 10, 10th grade. Um, talk about, so money was tight, right? Obviously because you were doing the valet thing. Yeah. As you're getting more work, if you look at Tommy's Instagram, he's got quite the toolkit. I'm sure you got the nice, the nice vehicle, right? What yeah. did that look like? How did you acquire those things? Were you just dumping money back right back in and just buying new things, nice finished tools, the best tool, yeah. uh, new truck, all those things? Talk about that. Yeah. Every, essentially
1: almost every dime I had, I invested back into myself and my business because I was confident that I was going to succeed at no matter what cost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I started off in a little two-door car when I was, you know, I I, I, bought, I got my first credit card when I was 18 just to build my credit so I could buy my first car at 19 at a ridiculous interest rate. I got myself a car, started working finished carpentry, eventually got into a truck and then the truck I added on the trailer. And I, I used that for four and a half years. And then I, I built up my business so much. I was like, I want a sprinter van. And boy, I was so disheartened, you know, when I got the truck. Because I thought, this is not what I want. But long term, I knew eventually I would have that sprinter. I just had to be patient. And it was so hard to be patient. Because we all want instant gratification. Right. So, you know, four and a half years go by. We're in the middle of COVID the time where everybody says, don't buy a vehicle, don't buy a house, don't do any of this stuff. This is the riskiest time. I went down to the Mercedes dealership. I I sold my truck and I ended up with positive equity to put onto the Sprinter van. And I drove out of there with a $60,000 van. And I was like, wow. wow. Uh, and this was 2021. So two years ago now, I was 26 years old. I've got a, you know, a beautiful van that I just, I'm so proud of. And, you know, that's really hard for me to say because I, I, I have a lot of pride in my work, but I don't have a lot of pride in myself. You know, I'm I'm really harsh on myself. Um, But it was a really proud accomplishment. And, you know, working, I worked with brands like Festool, which then eventually flourished into uh, the the racking system, the bot smart van for the van. So, you know, I've got $20,000 worth of racking in the back of that van that was all paid for because, you know, I was producing content and quality work and, and people saw the value in me. And the same with the tools, you know, all those tools I bought over years, I didn't buy them overnight and I didn't buy them within six months or even a year. It took so much time to buy these tools to get where I am today. You know, it's it's a a funny story real quick is I remember buying like my second festival item. It was a sander. It was six hundred dollars for a sander. I had to sell it because I could not afford the vacuum that went with it or even the paper that went on it. I was making twenty dollars an hour. And I thought, you know what? I'll sell it. I'll, I'll come back to this. And now I have four of those Sanders. And, and, and it, you know, it, it's just, it's really good to look back on, to see the growth. And I can't tell you how much it really hurt to, like, sell that sander because I couldn't afford it. And I felt like I was going to be a failure. And, and now I've learned to embr- embrace those things. And, and I'm like, I'm game on. Like, let's go.
0: I think you, you you hit on a few things there, right? Like I am extremely hard on myself, like to, yeah. <laughs> to a bad degree almost. And I, but most people that I talk to that are entrepreneurs or that are successful in their own right or overcome things, they are a little hard on themselves and it's because of the high standard that they have for themselves. Absolutely. And another common theme that you hear is they put in the time. They put in the time to learn, to learn from other people, even at a low wage. Yeah. Oftentimes, like I did, I worked several jobs to put myself through college to have no student loan. Uh, You were working as a valet, right? And then you started making a little bit of money. The other thing that you hear is that people just keep dumping and reinvesting. I just interviewed somebody, my episode that came out this week. Mm -hmm. Guy owns a plumbing company. He started it with twenty thousand dollars. He didn't pay himself for two years at all. Didn't pay himself a dollar. Um, I was on another podcast like six months ago guy owns like 10 barbershops he didn't pay himself for 11 years (laughs) right yeah so it's that a lot of young people need to hear this they need to understand the importance of investing that time that blood sweat and tears into your education over several years you need to know what it's like to struggle a little bit to take every dollar try and find a way to get extra money to buy tools for yourself i always tell people when you when you get money, don't buy a shiny toy or or go out to the expensive dinner, buy yourself work boots, buy yourself a tool because that investment in that tool, even though it seems so trivial because it's an object, that enables you to make more money down the line. That is yeah. your fishing rod instead of being handed fish. Exactly, Correct? yeah. And one, one more thing, unique to people, young kids today that for years the trades weren't into, you mentioned how you basically we're able to become an influencer, right? Like then yeah. these companies are actually giving you tools or maybe even you may even yeah. monetize that yes. because the content is on there and they need that. they um, are yeah. able to do that too. Everyone wants a social media presence. I don't have that because I don't have a finished carpentry skill. So right. Festool isn't calling me to give right. me free stuff that I can then charge people for. So right. that's an excellent snowball effect that you've had in your career and in your wallet.
1: Yeah, it has. And, and you do, I, again, it, it does come with a bit of a price. You learn like, you know, how the corporate world works as well. I'm a small business. It's different to how corporate is. So, you know, you learn about the good, the bad and the ugly, um, which, again, has been an interesting ride, but you have to adapt. You have to overcome. And I, I think a big part of it as well is, you know, believing in yourself and realizing that you are going to be successful because of you and your choices, not because of any other person or any other brand working with these tool brands is fantastic. I'm very fortunate. I don't take it for granted, but people have to realize at the same time that you're only going to be successful through you, not through anybody else, you know, and these, I don't necessarily need these tool brands. The tool brands need me, uh, you know, um, to show other young people and, and even older professionals, you know, how a tool is used in the field and and why they should buy and stuff like that. Um, but also staying honest and keeping your integrity as well. That's another big learning curve. That's a part of it as well, because it's easy to get caught up in, you know, shiny free tools. And it's, oh, this is great, even though it's not, but it's, it's free. Don't be afraid to voice your opinion and push back. Um, and it's the same with clients, you know, that, that little bit of pushback. People have a lot. will have a lot of
0: respect for you. But just do it respectfully. Yeah, diplomatically is the word that I, that yeah, I, like, to, yeah, that exactly. I like to use. So talk about, because we only have a few minutes left here. Mm-hmm. I, there's a really unique or important point that I want to drive home for young people. A lot of young people want the freedom to travel for work. They want yeah. to move to places, experience different things. I've had that, right? My career, I started in Boston. I was able to move to California, lived mm-hmm. on a beach for a year. Then I moved to New Jersey and New York. Then I moved to back to Boston for a little while. Then 2020 came and I said, you know what? My wife and I, we want to start a family. I'm done with winter. I'm going to Florida. With yeah. my skill that as um, a manager in construction, even, even then I'm able to take my talents pretty much anywhere. Uh-huh. Throw a dot on a map, I can go. Like, I know that. Yeah. You, I would say, even more so mm-hmm. because you have an actual skill that you're tangibly giving to people, right? Like people actually need your work, crave your work, and can't do it themselves. Now, yeah. you just moved from Florida to Texas. Correct. Right. So, mm-hmm. walk me through um, how much money you were making in Florida, and then mm-hmm. you moved to Texas. No work. You don't know anybody, but you're getting work. And how much yeah. is is the income comparable? Like, are you getting the same money? Is it more in that market, the Austin market, right? Yeah, I would say the market-wise, it, it all
1: depends on, on how much you value yourself. Because I think like carpenters, and I see it on Facebook all the time, and it's, oh, you know, um, I'm making 35 or $45 an hour. And, and you know, oh, the, the the high guys, they're making 65 an hour. And I'm sitting back here and making over $100. And I'm thinking... Okay, are they doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Like something's not adding up here. And, you know, I I have a lot of time to self-reflect at the end of the day. And I put a, a, a lot of value in myself, the tools that I use, the quality of work that I'm giving people, again, buying the quality tools and the quality work. I have a lot of value in myself. So, yeah, I do charge, you know, higher than average rates. Um, and I do get pushback, uh, for it from time to time with clients. And again, it's my job to, to educate the clients on, on why it's that price. And, you know, usually they're okay with that once they, we get into it.
0: Well, it's capitalism, right? It's, it's your value is what people are willing to pay for it. Exactly. if you're bringing a a certain quality that is above average, then you're going to have to pay above average for it, especially if you want it. Um, if you, if you want it quick, right. So you're going to give two out of the three it's time, budget, and quality. You're given high quality. They probably want it quick. So guess what? It ain't going to be cheap. And when you educate them on that, I'm sure obviously they're willing to pay for it right now. Oh yeah. Were you charging over a hundred in Florida as well?
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Florida and Naples, I mean, especially in downtown Naples, it's, you know, home to the the biggest millionaires and some billionaires. In yeah, we're area. talking
0: like like a twenty million dollar home in Naples. Nothing even a shake a stick at. Like <laughs> there's yeah. some massive homes in Naples.
1: Yeah. In gosh.
0: Area. You know, and and I did
1: that's why I think my background is so good as well, because I had the ability to work in these homes that were 30, 40, 50 million dollars and, you know, outrageous sizes and the quality was held to a really high standard. But I'm really blessed because I was the small fish in the big pond. So I learned so much, but I learned to value myself. And especially when I was dealing with these people that were, you know, they're big CEOs and they, they will push you around. And then you push them yeah. back and they said, hold on a minute. I like this guy. You know, most people are so afraid to do that, but it's like, no, I know what I'm worth and you're not going to tell me otherwise. If, if you don't like it, then either we need to figure something out or you need to pick somebody else. And and nine right. times, and ten, they come to the realization because they're business owners as well. their CEOs. They get it. And like, all right, they just try to give you a bit of a hard time. You know, I mean,
0: that's they're in that business, aren't they? What? So in 2022, what was your, because it's 2023 now, right? Like, yes. what, was your in, what, what was your income in the last year before you moved to Texas? So last year, I
1: made just shy of a 200000 And I would say probably... You know, I, I, again, material wise, maybe f- 30,000 of that. You know, I, I, again, I do, I attack my 10, 15% on the material as well. Um, and a lot of jobs, some jobs I was doing hourly. And
0: I would Okay, so your that, revenue was over 200,000. You're saying yeah. if you subtract the materials from the revenue, yeah, then I you're in the shy. high ones. You're in
1: maybe one seventy one eighty. Yeah, I was just shy of two, probably around like the 170, 180. Which, I mean, saying that out loud to me is just wild because, you know, I was, I was making $20 an hour and taking home $680 a week off the taxes. And I, I make more than that in a day now, uh, which is wild. And gosh, I, I, I go to work every day. I love, I love my job. Absolutely love it. I have some bad days like we all do. I love my job and I make a killer income. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And, and, you know, a point I want to get across as well is there comes a certain point in your life where you get over a threshold of how much money you make, and it doesn't make a difference in the quality of your life. Something that I've realized is don't chase the money. Chase what you're passionate about. (laughs) This is huge. I, I can't get this message across enough. I chase the money. It will kill you. You'll never be happy. The things that make me happy in life is, is coming home, I have the lights on, I have dinner on the table, I have a wife who loves and supports me, I have two amazing dogs, I'm so happy, I, I don't care about the money as such. The money is nice, it gives you the freedom but it doesn't give you the happiness and, and I've learned that you know, I do invest in myself and my wife from time to time says treat yourself. And so, you know, I might go out and I, I got a thing for watches and I might go buy a, a you know really expensive watch and it doesn't change the quality of my life. It's nice and I'm proud that I finally bought something that I've just bought over for years. But it never changed the quality. We went and bought a new car. Um, you know, and gosh, I, I don't even like telling people like what I drive because I'm not that kind of guy. But it's so nice to buy yourself nice things, but again, it it, it didn't change the quality of my life, sure, you know, going from point A to point B was, you know, really fun, and it was really fast, and all these things, but it it didn't change anything, you know, the things that matter to me most in life are things that money can't buy, and until you realize that, I don't think you're ever truly going to be happy, and I think that, you know, you can make a hundred thousand a year, and that that number's probably going to change as the economy changes, and inflation, stuff like that, but Again, you're going to make a certain amount of money. You're going to realize that you can buy yourself these clothes. You can buy the nice food. Um, You know, and and what I've come to realize is that as I make more money, I don't necessarily spend it on these designer things and, you know, whatever else it is. I buy quality food now. I buy organic food. I go to Whole Foods and I just
0: splurge on healthy food. Yeah, you can take care of yourself better because we all know that food in depressed areas is crap. It, right. it, it is, it is. So that by buying good food, I'm investing in myself,
1: but my body instead of my business, but it all correlates together, you know? So,
0: so I think, so you, you hit on a point and I ju- I just said this on a podcast, like two days ago, you know, not everybody is going to love every day in the trades. Not everybody's going to love everything about it. Not everybody's going to love no. the people and the other, the people that you see on site, the clients that you have but that's not what it's about. It's, it's about yeah. having a purpose and serving a greater purpose. And as long as yeah. you're chasing that, no matter what it is, the money's going to follow. Right. So when I, I look at, I hope, I hope a lot of young people listen to this, especially uh, those, those young ones that are in high school, because when you look at it on paper, and I want to put like an exclamation point on this right now, when you look at somebody who dropped out in 10th grade, you look at somebody who had struggles with a narcissistic mother. You look at somebody that had an alcoholic father, right? Who they also learned good things from somebody that struggled um, with the, with the direction, didn't even know where he wanted to go in the trade, but he showed up for work and somebody that needed two jobs just to even keep it going while he busted his butt during the day in the trades. When you stack all that up, there are a lot of paths. There are a lot of lefts and rights and and turns that you could have got off track but you didn't because you had a purpose that you were trying to serve and you found something, uh, a passion that you love. And the money has followed. Now here you are, you're 28 years old and revenue is over 200 grand you're pocketing close to 200 and that's only going to get better. And oh. that number would probably be higher if you didn't take a month off to move to, 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 yeah. to Texas. Right. So this year's number might be a little bit low, but yeah you know, and you get that freedom where you can get up and move to an Austin, Texas. And if you and your wife wanted to get up and move again, you could. So in a, in a world and in a society where everybody just wants to be a victim and, and stack up the things that is wrong with them as an excuse not to succeed, yep. there's a shining example that people need to learn from and that people need to look at and think, man, if this guy did it, I can do it. And I can do it even better.
1: Oh, then, 100%. You know, people do message me sometimes. And it, it's really you know, heart touching and yo, you're an inspiration. I said, thank you. Use me as an example and do 10 times better. You know, like it's realizing something I've realized is that I'm human. So it's, I look at people, it could be a furniture maker and I'm like, boy, how did they do that? And I'm thinking, well, they're human and I'm human too. And yeah, they got more experience, but dissect it. Like you can do it too. And uh, you know, I'm convinced that is whatever you're passionate about. I mean, yeah, sure. I see people, you know, driving Lamborghinis and stuff like that. And it's like, boy, that would be nice. What do they do for a living? Maybe I should do that because people just see the dollar signs. Whatever you're passionate about, you will be unstoppable because if I was in tech, I would work maybe eight hours a day and go, oh gosh, I can't stand this anymore. Mm -hmm. There's the guy behind me that's obsessed with it, doing 12 to 14 hours a day that does it as a career and as a hobby. Oh gosh, he's going to be untouchable. You just can't keep up because it's his passion. And that's okay. It's realizing that, you know, if you're at a job that you don't like, you know, see if you can find something, turn that side, turn it into a side hustle until it becomes the main hustle. You know, Uh, any anything is possible. So, yeah, I, I really hope that through this podcast that, you know, there's people, whether they're young or even people that are in their 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age it is, it doesn't matter. You still have time. If you're not happy with your life and you really dislike your career, it's never too late to change and do something new. Life is too short. Forget about the money. You'll always find a way to make it work. You'll find a way to make money. You just got to be happy and, and get out of that hamster wheel that a lot of people live in with society. You know, that typical nine to five, they're miserable every day. It's just wake up, work, eat, sleep, repeat, you know, it's a never-ending cycle, and I just, I said, I got to get out of that, you know, when I was younger, I I couldn't do it, so I am blessed, and I, again, I hope that by me figuring this out, and speaking with you publicly about it, that it brings awareness, but it also maybe lights up someone's brain, and goes, you know what, maybe this guy has a point, like, maybe I should try this, and
0: you know,
1: that even if it's one person, that's right. a success in my book.
0: Well, I'm sure it's going to find somebody. So, um, Tommy, we have a lot more to talk about that we've uh, DM'd about, but that'll Absolutely. have to be another episode. So, Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Yes,
1: uh, thank you for having
0: enjoy me. Enjoy the rest of your week. Again, you guys can find Tommy at Black Label Carpentry on Instagram. Yeah. Seriously, awesome stuff, great content. Go find him. Um, we'll talk, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks buddy. Thank you.